inside the podcast. Does, like, okay, well, I guess it's on the podcast now because I'm sitting down. Um, that's, that's when the podcast starts. That's when the podcast starts. are sitting. Actually, for the, last, going. for the last few episodes, you've started it, like, right as I've sat down. It's always funny. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll watch, like, a mechanical keyboard YouTuber, and they'll get the mouse and, like, click it in front of the camera. And I'm like, how in the world does that – you don't know – when your finger's pressing down to make the sound, how is that helping you time it properly? It's really interesting watching like people review those things because man, it's very ASMR kind of. Because they put the you know you can hear the. That's why I fucking love it, dude. Yeah, it's it gets me excited. Even it's though I'm not time. I'm not big into like the keyboard sounds as much as you are, but I, it still does something in my brain. Yeah, I, I, every time I see a keycap set, I think you would like it. It's literally just like a black one with like maybe red accents on it. <laughs> that's, but that's that's my aesthetic, as is. the kids say. That's always the thing that makes me laugh is the weird ways people do the audio syncing. I'm like, it, it's got to be a very clear, sharp yeah, slap and clap or something like that. They'll, like the most random things, but if they're used to it and it works for them, I guess that's why. Yeah, I, I used to, whenever, before OBS existed, I would have to record my game separately from my audio for my microphone. And so to sync them together, I'd open up a menu and just say closing in three, two, one, and I'd close the menu. And then that'd be how I synced everything together. The things we do when back we don't in the have day, everything. Kids. Back in the day. Back in the day, man. You know, D&D was simpler. Yeah. It's a lot simpler. You just got some friends together, whatever Rolled they were. Some what, dice. What are those things called that Gary Ix ran? A dungeon something. It's not a dungeon called Classics. That's what, what they are now. That's what they are now, but that's what it was back then. It was they just had, D&D, They right? had magazines, too. I think they were called, like, Dungeon Crawl-zines? We made it. I don't remember. We're time travelers. <laughs> they had some, some magazines you could order, and they'd have, like, adventures and crap in there. Okay. And most of the time, I think people just brought their characters, and they kind of played, and it was mechanics-based. Yeah. is that sort of stuff, yeah? Yeah, people would go. It's, I think it's, it's similar to what Adventures League tries to do now. Yes. Where it's like a continuous character you can take from place to place. People would bring him to fe- or not festivals, uh, conventions, yeah. and they'd play things. So that's where Tomb of Horrors existed because Gary Guy got pissed off at the type of people that said, oh, I can take anything that you can throw at me. He's like, you know what? Fuck it, bring it on. See, and so he made Tomb of Horrors just to kill everyone at conventions. Yeah, I think that's how D&D really, really started. And it started to change a lot over the years mm-hmm. because of media and portrayal of D&D outside of just player setting yeah and i think different types of people got into it so at first it was just like the nerdiest of the nerd dudes that would play it yeah and then and the people just and didn't really want to like not actors not theater guys just guys that wanted to like people that would probably be playing like world of warcraft stuff back then if that existed like the big fantasy game of thrones not game of thrones uh, stranger things we're watching <laughs> stranger things well, actually they probably they probably be reading a song of ice and fire like some yeah. people that love lord of the rings and just want to go around and bash some goblin heads and that's what D was really built around for the longest time that and finding ma- or, uh, magic items and gold and you know raising your fame but there wasn't really much of a role-playing aspect until i'd say in the last 10, 15 years or yeah. so. Just probably some stuff every now and again there. But it's just that desire to make it feel a bit more real. And I think there's now two groups of people mm-hmm. around this whole idea. And when we were talking about what we wanted to do for the next episode, we didn't have anything set in stone. And Ryan just shot me a video. And by the way, he's Ryan. Oh, yeah. He's Braxton. This is a dungeon crawl. And today, we have a cat on the table. Actually, every day in, we, the, in the view there. Every day we should have a cat on the table that we record. Um, and 
Ryan shot over a video of nine yeah. pro nine things pro DMs do that you shouldn't. And oh yes. yeah, it was, what a, what what was title. It? it was in my YouTube recommendations. Yeah. And I was excited because I clicked on it. I was like, you know what? I think because I've watched Griff Roll, I've, I've seen a little bit of the Adventure Zone and Dimension 20. I'm like, I love watching these. And I'm like, there are some things that I probably would not recommend people to do and i watched the video and i actually disagree with most of the stuff he says like this is actually not what i would think and obviously everyone has their own opinions on, yeah. on this topic uh, but i thought this would be interesting for us to discuss as well i think there's an issue when you discuss this sort of thing uh, i believe overarching he just wanted to make a stance and stick to it yes and was playing a sort of character for his channel this is good advice for people who play this way yeah and i i don't like there are even some points that he mentioned if you guys uh, look at the video we just said the title um i, I don't want to shit on him because i i know it was a great I, video i subscribe to him i think he made yeah, I love his content stuff. um i just happen to disagree with this and i think he welcomes some disagreements in the comments yeah, and stuff um because like i said this is a interesting debate everyone has different opinions on what dnd looks like and i think the, the biggest thing we could say before we even say anything else here is just have a session here and make sure everyone's on the same page. If everyone's on the same page, you can run your game whatever way you want. You know what's not on the same page? What? The gate. Oh, the gate's not on? The gate's not on the same page, and that thing is miraculous. Waffle Ryan. He's, he's, so what he's doing, he's turning on a audio gate that will prevent background noise from creeping into our recording process. This gate is fucking crazy. It's a crazy gate. It's crazy good. We've had it for a while and didn't know it. Cat's like, bro, where did you? Yeah, the cat, cat's staring at you. Um, yeah, so I, I, like I said, I love this guy's stuff, and everyone has different opinions. And I think again, the main crux of the issue: just hold a session zero. If I'm more of a role play kind of guy, and everyone in my party or would be in my party are not, uh, then I can either get a new party before we start playing, a new group of players, and say, hey, we are like, you know, a tender day. You know, I don't think we really match. Uh, or you can change your game to kind of fit what you like, but also cater to what your players are. So just be on the same page. Yeah, check out way back when. I don't know if we've done one or two session zero episodes, but we Probably definitely talk couple, about it yeah. a lot as we've gone through the podcast itself. So keep an eye out for those. If that's the discussion you want to check out, we're going to try not to be too redundant here, but it is really important when you're discussing this sort yeah. of Tinder like yeah, matchup. <laughs> that'd be cool if there was like a Tinder for DMs. I guarantee there's like a looking for group sort of thing. I think there, you know what? I think someone tried to make one and I don't think it ever took off. No, it won't. I did find a player on reddit once and there was an lfg reddit thing and you just uh was our yourself. local area one no oh. it's just on lfg reddit and you dox yourself say where you are uh and sure say what you're looking for and it's not just dnd people are looking for all Long sorts of walks players. on the beat beat medieval beach yeah you can say what you're looking for in a player and people say what they're looking for in a dm whatever uh yeah so i bef so every point that i'm about to mention you really could just boil down to just talk to your players yeah, so I wanted to get that out of the way because let's let's talk about this from a somebody is stating this like he was and you should not do it. Yes, yeah, I was even because uh, I watched it with my girlfriend uh, a couple times and there there are a couple points where he said your players may not. And that's I was like I would have less of an issue with this video if that was how it was every statement. Yes, was. but it's it's not. And I think yeah. the ones that he does stick to it'll be interesting to go on them where he doesn't say may not because yes, I, I don't I don't know it was. A little frustrating of a video to go, but he didn't he didn't make it sound like it was an objective truth. And you could tell he was YouTubing. He is YouTubing. He's YouTubing, yeah. you know, so. Very animated. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Um, watched him a couple of times. So the way I broke up my points here is things you should do. I think these are things that pro DMs like 
Matthew Mercer, um, Bren, 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 Brennan, no D's, not Brendan Fraser, whatever. Brennan. Yeah. Brennan. I can't remember his last name, but the guy from dimension 20, uh, and, no um, what's the adventure zone? Oh, we got Griffin McElroy, Griffin McElroy, et cetera. Insert other big D and D shows here. Uh, DMs. Griffin McElroy, especially, uh, Abria, all, all these people. I think there are things they do that you probably should do no matter what your game. I obviously, from my perspective, as a, as a more role player kind of guy, I think there are things they do that you should probably adapt into your games because there is a reason they do them. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's important to the to the game. There's a reason why us as viewers like it. And then I have a shouldn't do. I think there are things they do that me and other DMs probably should not do. And that this usually just boils down to time management. Uh, and then I have things to consider, things that I don't think are a necessary component, but things you could maybe add into your game if you're feeling crazy. Okay. I just kind of went through what he said and gave my thoughts on them. So we should be able to line Perfect. up there and see where you And I, 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 I use that as a basis. For yeah. yeah. So we'll probably line up in most areas. <laughs> uh, so I'll start with my should do, and then we can jump off to some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things I think you should do and take from other pro DMs are interesting and non-interesting role play. Okay. So I think this is, this, this now this is less of a DM thing, but obviously me as a DM can model this for my players. Um, but uh, to me, we're, we're playing a tabletop <clears throat> game. No role playing. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a TTRPG. We're playing a tabletop role playing game. So to me, the role playing is an important aspect of the game, and it's it's one of the pillars of D anD. d you know, role playing slash social now uh, exploration and combat. I have an issue with the term role playing in games. Mm-hmm. So tell me you more. You get things like the the Souls series and um, Hollow Knight, sure. a bunch of other things, <laughs> and. Yeah. They're called role-playing games. Would you call watching a movie role-playing as the character? Yeah, I would not call myself. I would not call Dark Souls, Elden Ring. But they're role, you're playing a character and they're in a world and you're moving them. I consider more stuff like Mass Effect or... I feel that a bit more, yeah, because you have choices to make. See, this is where the genre is become issue like i don't think i'd even consider life is strange role playing because it's it's a story you have decisions but you're not really like playing a role you're playing max so that's my complication with that role playing term is role playing for me is like full-on acting like yes you are doing everything that way no and i'm not trying to ask you to do that but i don't think even like the closest to it would be a, a old style Bethesda game, like the Obsidian mm. versions of Fallout and those sorts of things, where you're really, really making every decision. Versus Skyrim now, where it's really yeah. not. I, I don't. I don't know. So when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, I feel it's okay to not make it role playing at all, and but make sure. it like that Dark Souls mechanic thing. But I do think what you're saying about interesting and non interesting role play addresses that, and I think it makes it. Yeah, so what okay. I mean by interesting and non-interesting, um, I think to, to me, and this is not just between party members, to NPCs as well, I think to me it's a crucial part of the experience. Because I like making, and of course we're playing a game, but I like making it feel, I don't know, I like making it feel more realistic. And yeah. even though we're playing a big fantasy game, I like making it feel a little more lived in and, and interesting. And if think about it, if you're sitting around with your, your bros, your girls, your friends, you're not always just talking about the most interesting stuff in the world. Sometimes you're just sitting around the campfire and, you're telling a, a stupid story or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so to me, 
there's something to be said about having this non-interesting talking about mundane things because while it may be mundane to the characters to the entire party cohesion there's i think it's I think it increases it, and I think it's very a crucial part of the game and story. I mean, if you watch Game of Thrones or these other you know, big TV shows, there are times when they're sitting around, and while they're it's quote unquote mundane, there's character development happening there. And obviously, we're not all actors, yeah. So you're not probably thinking about character development twenty four seven when you're sitting around with your friends rolling dice, yeah. But still, having these times where you can just shoot the shit and have fun, I think is important to the game. Let me see if you okay. You don't, so this is a good time to bring this in. Actually, um, so I think that non-interesting side of it is important for people who aren't putting on shows when your players are role playing. Yeah, it's awesome if they get super into it or they're a great actor, but it's OK if it's like, like actually just boring as fuck. And yeah. as long as they're having fun uh, and, and you're having fun, and everyone's enjoying it. Yes, that's the key point, because I don't think you mentioned this, at least within one of your, your titles, but um our resident YouTuber, I need to, what's his, what's his channel called? I want to make sure I know so I can call him out properly. <laughs> in my nostril. Uh, it's, uh, oh, it's the DM layer. DM layer. Ah, yeah. And he's got a Kickstarter coming out too. So check that yes, out. Yes, Actually, um, it's two months ago, so I don't know if it's, it might have come out already. It might have already out. come out. Um, it's okay if there are two players talking amongst themselves and for the DM to yes. not push it as long if what, uh, he said about making sure they're not on their phones and distracted. If of everybody's course, engaged, good. If not, make sure everybody in the party is having a good time. So that's that's the only caveat I'll get, get give about these role playing scenarios. Yeah, I think having two players role play for like I I mean you see it on our home. Our game. game's it's, very non-standard. Yeah, well it's 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 fun. It's enjoyable. Uh, but I think there obviously is a point where it. It's important yeah. to, 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 to stop it from dragging on forever because sometimes, like we said, player, players are not always actors. So they're just, nope. they start kind of going around in circles. That's when either you as a DM or as a player can jump in and, and, and you know, bring it back to the game. Yeah, I mean, even me, as somebody who's gone through theater, I, I, it takes me a lot of time to get into actor mode. So I'm not even actor mode. Yeah, and, that, I think that, and that's definitely okay, for yeah. sure. So that, that was something that I wanted to point out that he he'd mentioned as well. It is a bad thing when people are just stealing the game and nobody's having fun. Yes. For sure. But yeah, you can still do fine this. Line. Yeah. That's, that's something I wanted to bring up there. What's up next? Uh, so the other thing I have is to make the encounters matter because of the story. You don't want to just go mash with goblins because we need some gold and XP? Well, again, I guess that goes down to session zero. If everyone, if that's what everyone wants and you're playing XP and everyone's having fun just bashing goblin heads in and getting XP and gold and fame, then that's awesome. Uh, but to me... Uh, I think this this can be tough because we're not yeah. you know, professional storytellers. Uh, maybe we are, but uh, I'm definitely not. You've done it enough. I'm cool. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, not. If you're not, I'm not. We're not professionals. <laughs> we might enjoy writing, but we're not professionals. Um, but if you can make your story good and interesting, then the encounters that follow it will carry that same weight. Um, so like weaving your encounters, whether it be social, combat, whatever, exploration, throughout the story, that makes it it gives those encounters a reason to be this is why i've never enjoyed random encounters i know random encounters can be helpful mm -hmm. and important to the world but i think random encounters with a purpose is different so i like making my own random encounter tables that yeah. might fit the not world. entirely random but it's random within the area and they make sense exactly yeah i think every encounter should they don't have to be like super crucial to the story like be like mind-blowing so everything is like a gigantic plot point so that can be a little that can be a little annoying 
Um, but to have every encounter tell the players something about the world. We've talked about this before, but like the example I always give is the goblins are attacking a village or something and you can you go kill the goblins whatever yeah. and then you find out that the reason they attacked the village in the first place is because they're originally from farther up north and where they are originally from has been like like the the, pra the prairies are burning and they're destroyed so they had to migrate south and the south or the southward region has a village so they attack the village because they gotta get food and so you can connect the dots like okay the, the players are then thinking well why are the Prairie's burning. Okay, let's go up there and investigate. Then up there, there's maybe this dragon that's burning stuff. And then you, you know, connect things. Yeah. Um, so while it's not super crucial to the story, it's at least telling you something about the world. Or there's a bunch of bandits that are robbing people on the road, but they're just normal peasants that the the, the players found out that they were, that their town was destroyed by yeah. something. A common situation with that when you're trying to build a story and give your players a lead Hey, they just want to kill goblins, get some XP. Oh, you know, I'm going to make it have this background. And if they pick up on it, they yeah, can pick up on it. That's a good way to, if your players are not super into story and stuff, that's a good way to maybe drop little seeds. Drop if stuff. they don't, maybe it'll role play them as the type of tough character that really just doesn't give a shit about your problems and wants to go make some money like Amundsen. Yeah. And that's just how it and happens. Guts, guts ass. Yeah. So that can be fun. Now, you're going to have to be careful. Try not to railroad them too much and be okay when your plans aren't followed on. Because sometimes groups get together and they're just, these are the people you want to play D&D &D with and you yes. didn't want to play the same way. So that's a way I think you can try and work around that and test things out and try to get them interested in role playing. Because we're all people. We're all and people. I think every person, unless they're like super, super introverted and anxious, wants to role play and yeah, act I, a little I, bit. I, I will go to my grave saying I think D&D &D is for everybody. Yeah. It's whatever you make of it. It's I, just, I would path, pathfinder the same way. It's whatever you want it to be. Being a person, man. That's something that interests me. I, you can always make everything have a reason. It doesn't have to be massive, like Ryan said. The little yes. story he gave is a pretty good one. So, yeah. Uh, and then now, this one kind of ties into the last one, uh, and this is probably easier said than done, but create an interesting and engaging story. Yeah, I feel like what you just said, you know, hey, let's go kill some goblins. Uh, they're moving. Yeah, that's why, the, why, why do we care about goblins are moving? Well, their whole home is fucking burning. What the hell's oh, going on over there? Well, there's actually a village right there. next to it and a bunch of other people that, think, hey, that's my mom. I think we said this in like how to make good villains or something, but I always like plotting from like kind of like like the, where the chicken, no, not the chicken, like the rooster making bread and the, the you know what I'm talking about? What the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uh, like she tried to get a bunch of people to make bread with her and no one joined in. What? <laughs> it's an old it's an old like fable or something i don't know but my, my point being i always think of it like i'm making food where so you've got the bread right yeah and you gotta figure out where the ingredients came from and then how the ingredients were created and or, like brought to you so there's a whole i don't know how bread's made but that's an example um and so i connect that with a villain where i say the villain's doing this over here okay so what does he need to get this accomplished and you kind of trace it backwards okay. and that's how you can start with the goblins are attacking a village because this happened because this is happening because this guy ordered this guy to do this and he knows the goblins. And so it can eventually all connect. This would be super like Game of Thrones level of drama and intensity, but at least can have some sort of intrigue and interest to it. Because um, the reason we love watching these D&D shows like Critical Role, Dimension 20, Adventure Zone is not only the character interactions because they're also you know, fun, they're actors, whatever, but also because the story is intriguing and interesting. It's, it's interesting to know what's going on and the story is interactive it seems like the players have um you're not just characters in a pre-written story just like your players should not be 
they're co-authors and creating this expansive world, this expansive story. Yeah. Um, there should be lots of decisions and choices for the players to make, and they should care about making each one. And then you go back to the drawing board and say, okay, the players did this. Wasn't ready for that. Okay, let's figure out. So that would then s snowball into this. Okay. It's going to be a lot of that, by the way. Yes. Instead <laughs> of, because I think that's where railroading, I want to have an episode of railroading at some point too, because that's where railroading comes in, where you have the end point in mind as a DM and the players do something that you didn't prepare for and you still shoehorn them back in that direction. Well, let's of adapting. talk about that just a small amount because it still goes within this interesting story thing. I, I'm going to not do any spoilers Good. for Attack on Titan if you've seen oh. up to like one of the big reveals about how like the world actually is within that. Like in the latest season. Yeah, maybe just like for a minute, fast forward a little bit, but I'm going to keep it really, really vague. Uh, monkey dm my god do i love that guy <laughs> he makes a tiktok like every single day uh and one of his what recent ones was about how to put the attack on titan plot structure into your your game and i was like well that's a that's a lot of things and he wasn't really talking about the foreshadowing and sure. the plot reveals it was just the overall structure your your group of people are trying to kill a pure evil Groups of characters are just mm -hmm. really trying to get rid of a, a bad, a conventionally wholly evil thing in your world. And whenever they're finally fighting them and this bad like group evil, of thing like is... Like an evil king or something. Anything is trying to destroy your, your village. Let them really make them hate those characters. And then it flips around and you're finally going out to destroy the evil thing's location. Mm -hmm. And introduce their humanity and show that, that it's not just them being evil things killing you, but there's a, a piece of the information that turns yeah. your players into I think bad the easiest people. way to do this, obviously through war. Yeah. Um, and critical Role second came in kind of does that. Um, yeah, humanizing the other side of a war is, I guess it's in some ways a cliche, but it's a cliche, but it's very good. Yeah. It's very impactful and powerful. Well, it's interesting with attack on Titan because it was very non just people with guns and weapons hitting each other. That's their flesh mechas, basically. So yeah. it was really intriguing that there wasn't just a reveal of, well, they're humans too, and they're okay, and they're they're just thinking that you're as evil as they are, but there's a third portion of it that's backing everybody into a corner, and that, people might say it's railroading whenever you put your characters in a, a decision where they have to do, they have to either make a sacrifice or do something that is just genuinely evil. Putting them in a situation like that where they're backed into a corner. I guess that could be, yeah, I can say that more, just a tough decision. Yeah, but it can feel like railroading. It's like, why do we have to make these two choices? Well, that's how life yeah, works if sometimes, you come man. come up with a third one, go for go it. Go for but, it. I mean. She's stretching. <laughs> she likes to stretch into stuff. But I, I found that really interesting, and it's a pretty basic plot structure, yeah, but um, it's okay to back them into a corner and make them feel like it's railroaded if you've justified it up to that point, you know? Yeah, because I think if you, if... If they're backed into a corner, it's usually the decisions have led them there. Like yeah. maybe there are things you could have done in the way you didn't. So now you're you you're stuck looking at this guy, and you gotta decide now either he's gonna destroy your village or you gotta go do something right now. And shit, how fun would it be if you started like super in media res and your characters were already in that point of make the evil decision or leave and things get fucked up? And it can feel shitty when they don't have the background. But let them make that choice very early on in the campaign and feel the repercussions of that for a long time. Well, that's how uh, we've talked about before with Matt Colville's live show. That's how he started. He started with like a 
big a moment where like most of the characters die. And he told them from the get go, this is probably what's going to happen. Um, and they had like quote unquote backup characters. They're called retainers, which they I remember that. Yeah, yeah, which they he brought into it's a good mechanics. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so then they got to play as the retainers. One of them survived, I think. And then the whole point was then the retainers are all getting together, and that's the new characters. Are then figure out how we're gonna go get revenge on mm-hmm. this guy just killed everybody. Get people who care about something, and then don't not like a Deus Ex, but like turn the tables just to turn them. But right, you'll figure it out. It's not it's not as hard as you think. You can keep it much simpler. You don't have to cross yes. the red strings all that much. Yeah. Uh, I think it is helpful to have a basic plot structure and, but not be married to it. Mm-hmm. Cause that's when, that's when railroading comes in, when you become stuck to this plot structure, like creating, I always love creating out the event. Like what would happen if the players did nothing, they did nothing, then X and Y and Z would and end like, up happening. Sometimes he, he, he thinks about that a lot yeah. and they like things happen. But if the um, players do something then that's when you adapt and change and start a change, instead of just being stuck to the story this is the interesting part of it being flexible yes, it's okay that's very crucial now you can do all i swear to you i know you're like i just want to do numbers and stuff and hit things and, and make encounters and roll crawling. dice you can do that and make a really simple goblin's field being burned by fire that's co kill mm-hmm. it can be super simple but actually the dragon's a human who's trying to prevent something evil from coming in it doesn't matter it's like it's like monster hunter story okay it can be that simple nobody has names except for just whatever their the hell their job is yeah, what their job title is yeah why is this happening i don't know monsters strong and destroying the ecosystem let's go fucking fix it and you found out they're destroying the ecosystem something's crawling out of the reason. oh the final boss and i can't spoil it for sunbreak but I, i'll tell you later it's literally my vtuber the location it's from is called the yawning abyss that's scary. This is so cool. But like this big world ending evil is coming. Why? I don't know. It's fucking strong and we kill monsters. Let's go do it. Yeah. Uh, it's on. It's oh, recording. No, it's just, just in front. Just making you're sure good. that your, yours was not the one that was muted. Uh, uh, no, you're not. Yeah, you're we're good. good. Yeah. So it can be super simple. Monster Hunter throws some text at you. If you actually read any of it, it's just thing is coming. Destroy stuff. Eat things. And you're just playing. You can, you can still do this stuff. Even just if they like, just want to I mean, not, maybe Dark Souls is not a good example, but you don't have to follow the story at all. No, yeah. And then if you, if you That's a great example. watching a bunch of lore videos on YouTube, you're like, oh my God. Now, don't get scared because Miyazaki does have shit. There's entire areas in Elden Ring that you can just miss that are really important to the background story, like all the swamp areas and places underground. Bloodborne, you can entirely, too, yeah. Yeah, and you could entirely miss them. And is he sad that people don't see it? Maybe, but I think he That's likes he, that. Yeah, I think he does. And his swamps. Don't let him make swamps. No, too many swamps. That okay, uh, so that's that's things you should do. Now, should I jump that shouldn't do or consider first? I think I feel like consider then shouldn't do would be more of a better like route, but... I think shouldn't do. I think it's like, here's things you should do. Here's things you shouldn't do, but consider this. Okay, all right, yeah, let's do that. Um, okay, so things you shouldn't do and... Before you start typing your comments, uh, let me finish. So you shouldn't do, all I have written is lore and world building, but there's more to that than <laughs> you should not ever do lore or world building. Um, but in these D&D shows, right, the DM often spends a lot of time on the world building, the lore, there's a ton of history. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I, uh, me as much as the next guy, I love writing that stuff for my world too. Yes. It's all well and good. Especially for shows, because that's where the excitement and wonder about the viewer experiencing this world is. It's fun. And, and Brendan even came out because he DM'd for some critical role like 
small little. Yeah, it was like, weird when I saw him shot. on Critical Role. I was like, wait, he's not the Critical Role guy. The <laughs> other guy's the Critical Role guy. Um, but he said that he thinks Exandria is like the best fantasy setting ever. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a, he might just been saying that because he wants to DM more for them. But <laughs> he, he really enjoyed getting to play in that world or getting to run in that world. Um, I think this is, it's fantastic to do this for your home games, but we are not professional DMs. No. This is not our job. We're not doing this for a living. And so spending as likely as much time as they are, it's just not practical. Yeah. They're getting paid to sit around and plot and make cool world building and lore. So if you're putting that much time and effort into you as a DM watching this video, are putting that much time and effort into your world building and lore, I think it could be better placed elsewhere that the players would more enjoy and experience. You know, yeah. Because this, if you create, and we talked about this in our, when we interviewed uh, Jesper Schmidt yeah. and Autumn Burt, um, the two fantasy authors, please go give the uh, video a watch. Um, but you can create your world building and lore. It can fill up a whole dictionary, but it doesn't matter if the players ever encounter any of that stuff. Is it, is it wrong if, let's take one of uh, our friends that we've, we've known for quite a while from streaming. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, online handle dark champion so he he writes a lot yeah. and telling him okay you've got this campaign that you're about to do for this group of people uh, have you written like too much are you worried about them not crossing over it i could hear him responding like oh, well, i was gonna write anyways yeah i think if you if you have the time and the ability to do it go for because i do this as well yeah. with my stuff um but if you spend so much time on that that you're not figuring out ways that your players can interact in the story you're not making it fun and interesting encounters for them and you just have a dictionary of world building and your, your players have a, a lot of stuff to interact with, but nothing to do with it. Yeah. So that's, that's a caveat. There's like absolutely write your heart out, but yes. save the time to make the game. This goes back to the video as well as uh, a comment was made. Don't have these long stretches of exposition and story mm. or just words. I think it's okay to do that do as long it's as it's okay. efficient and yes. It's something that you know needs to be or enhances the story. It's you can tell just looking at your players' faces if it seems all right. And it's that time old saying of it's easy to write a lot, but hard to write a little. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, the whole point of like editing your work. Yeah. Making sure that there's not too much fluff because I'm terrible at. Yeah. I think if you're going to write a monologue or intricate description, read it out to yourself at least once or twice how you would read it out to your players. And if you find yourself going, holy. Yeah. This is okay. If there's a word, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. If there's a word that doesn't have purpose there, and even if it's simple, um, I was talking with a friend before. There's a lot of words in our modern day language, like just or like I just wanted to do this. Take that section out, like little words that really yeah. don't a- adjust for it whatsoever um, can be great ways to to make it not as long for your players. But you'll figure it out. You can really look at their faces, keep your eye out of the screen for just a second and you, you'll know what they like and dislike yeah i think it's important too because I, I do actually have kind of this so i'll talk about now in my things to consider section um that if you do have it written down somewhere you're not just you know staring at it not looking up and seeing your players mm-hmm. like nodding off to sleep uh, especially if it's a couple if you find yourself like flipping multiple times and your players don't give a shit then you probably should stop um but if you and your players are heavily invested into this story, into this world, and the NPCs and despise your villains with every step that they take, then I would definitely would consider bringing in villain monologues or NPCs monologuing about something or intricate descriptions about the 
the battle that they're watching in front of you, stuff like that, because it can really be impactful. There's a reason that we see these in, in movies, plays, D&D shows, because they can be impactful, emotional, add a lot to a scene. But the caveat being, if you can't do that well, then it might not be worth doing it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. With in moderation, I think that is the, the yes. best way to put it. Yes. Your next one, though. For uh, shouldn't do? Yeah. Yeah. So this one is you shouldn't do mm. battle maps. I feel like I could do like a... Uh, no, 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 keep going. You can't just leave it at that. You I know. Keep I, going. I, feel like, I feel like I could do like um, some really exciting like clickbait. You yeah. shouldn't do oh, battle maps. Will fuck it. That's, I'm already heated right now. <laughs> so this is very similar to my last point about world, lore, world building and lore. Is that shows like Critical Role and Dimension 20 have incredible writable maps and miniature i mean you see that level no Don't yeah you see that. dimension 20 whenever like they because they have those maps already pre-made and critical he has and people and companies well. and small businesses that are dying to make it for them oh my god yeah i mean like matthew mercer he like prepares and i don't know if he still does i imagine probably even more so now i yeah, know he used to prepare like five six different maps just in case the players went a different direction and he has them sitting next to him and so they went here pulls it out takes like this yeah my god the, the amount of not time sustainable that. for the normal and it's person. all like dwarven forge stuff so it looks immaculate oh my god so uh i can only imagine the time effort and money that goes into making and they really are like works of art they're beautiful if you see the uh the final boss of critical role season one that gigantic miniature just blows my mind it's it's gorgeous so while this is all well and good if you have that kind of time and money Go for it. I watched this video. I think I showed it in our Discord. That was this same D&D campaign that's been going on for, I think he said like 40, 50 years for a long time. Yeah, uh, it's now the click. It was a little clickbaity because it wasn't a single campaign. It was the it was world. Marxist. It was basically oh, the okay. world. Yeah. It was the same DM. It's like what I say for yours, it's been going on for seven yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. It was the same world and the same DM and he would add players and he's like multiple games going on in the same world and it's, it's fascinating but he, he loves the miniatures and the maps. He's got like gigantic stuff. He's got like, uh, you know those uh, train miniatures that you see like have like uh, um, like mountains and stuff around it, and he has yeah. like those full like foam areas that has gigantic. It's it's gorgeous. So if you have the time, the money, this is what you love doing. Just like with the lore and world building, knock yourself out. But I think there is something to be said about just writing lines on a checkered map, having a couple minis, or just having coins and for miniatures, whatever you have, just to represent what's happening in front of you. Remove the clickbait for a second. He's not saying don't do battle maps. I think <laughs> battle maps are single-handedly one of the best ways to get your yes, players you, interested I think in you something. Sh- you should have a, a visualization of some sort because it's very helpful to be able to... We've had a whole episode, I think, on Theater of the Mind. It, it can be tough yeah. to get players that are not visually minded in their head to be able to yeah. visualize what's happening. I'm very... I don't have a lot of similar thoughts to people when they say, I am a tactile learner or I have to see and do things or I can hear it once and just do it. Fucking everybody's a tactile learner. Everybody will learn better if it's done in front of them or taught directly. Nobody is not that. They just might have an easier time getting something from the start because they hold information better. Well, your professor sucks, so you got to teach it to yourself. Yeah. So when your professor says, "Mm," well, this is just how the school system teaches you, but (laughs) my students are visual learners or my students can hear it and be, it's bullshit. If they teach like that, they're not a bad teacher. They just should learn something. They don't suck. No, this is a very, very common point of view. So, I may be incorrect. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, a thing to consider. Battle maps, I love them. Yes, battle maps are fantastic, but don't, 
if you're if you're spending all your time there, then you're likely not spending a lot of time on other things. Now, yeah. if, you, if you have the time for all of that, then I mean, go for it. Because yeah. that, that adds to your game for sure. And you guys are probably online. Most of you who are playing, or I don't know, we've got a lot of people who played like super traditionally. Especially um, now, that we now, now yeah. that we're closing in on the end of the pandemic, hopefully. Well, there's a new strain. Yes, there's a new, and yeah, a new booster. There is, but, so mm, we'll see. Please be safe. There's a lot of digital stuff that goes on that does make it easier. It is even easier, though, to get lost in the weeds on them. Um, uh, Tailspire is really cool. That's not fully out yet, but if you're wanting to get something that's as close as possible to what Matt Mercer does and does not take the amount of time and resources, Tailspire, it's on Steam. It's really great. Um, don't get lost too much, just like the world building. But if your players are yes. really wanting to like jump into uh, Curse of Strahd, there's every single map and area for that. There's going to be a learning curve, just like any video game, but it has something yeah. you want. You can do that. Uh, and I'm also, I would recommend encounter plus. I have this on, this is what we use for our live oh, yeah. play one shot. What we'll be using for the live play. Uh, it's pretty quick, easy to set up, um, but there's a lot into it. So there's, they have a discord that helped me figure out what I need to figure out for. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting super in depth with it, but they have people just like Tailspire that have, uh, modules you can download that have full maps, pre-made maps of modules and things that have, people have created. Uh, and it's super cool. You can add minis to it and all sorts of stuff. So check it out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Subverting expectations, too. Yeah, so this one, I, I, I all I wrote was subverting expectations. And But what I, what I mean by this... Hold on. Is it literally just the, here was the goblin, but he's actually this, but he's actually that. Yeah, yeah, this. Do, doing that too much yeah. and trying to have twists and turns literally because it can be exciting sure and a lot of these dnd shows have a big twist and then everything changes for like the last 20 episodes or something and that can be exciting and fantastic and cool if it's done well but if you're subverting x if you become the last season of game of thrones for example then that's not good obviously if you have even if you haven't watched it you i'm sure you know the their reactions to that and it was not very i recently pleasant. found out that that is how it was supposed to end they just yes. didn't have any of the connecting dots yes so that that they figured out how it was supposed to end and then kicked out the actual yeah. author that wrote the story and like let's write it ourselves well, where i'm at now like that ending makes sense because that character who gets to be the thing is like getting a lot of time and lessons and teachings that would yeah. make it make sense but there's some stuff that's gonna happen. I'm like, mm. you still got a couple seasons. You have like three, I, I haven't got back. Stranger Things has stolen my attention. Understandably, yeah, so yeah. Um, but the reason I, I have subverting because that's literally the quote that they use the writers for Game of Thrones. You're like, we're subverting everyone's expectations. Like, yeah, for the sake of it. Yes, pretty much. And then they would do things just Ugh. well because they became known as the show that was constantly having twists and turns because the writer that wrote the original novels had great twists and turns and things were always, you could never trust what was happening because things were, you didn't know what this guy was really thinking and plotting. And that was fantastic because he's a good author. And then when it became fan fiction and they just were like, okay, we're the subverting expectation guys. We got to keep doing that. But when you know, you're creating a resolution, there can't just be subverting. You got to have a resolution. It's got to resolve on something. It can't keep uh, resolving away. I could, I could have a whole podcast like Game of Thrones. Well, I, mean, I just get angry thinking yeah. about them writing. You big picture movie people and TV people and game people have to have patience when you get George R. R. Martin on there. It can't be a project yeah. that your company says, hey, we need money now. Well, they disagreed with what he, what, they, they kept a character out of the show that he said was crucial to the plot. And he, they said uh, that we don't want him. And he said, okay, well, you can fuck off. And so he left. <laughs> and you can see Good that. for him, though. Let's, woo, just go read it if you like reading. Reading's hard. There's a spinoff coming soon. So. And that is following who? 
the Targaryens. Or is it just continuing? Back in the past. Oh. Yeah. So Daenerys is, is a uh, uh, family origin story. Up until kind the of. big event that starts. Kind of, I yeah. Imagine. I think it goes pretty far back. I'm not positive. Okay. Oh, we might see more uh it's like that far back. That's going really oh, before, oh. before there were any before any of the characters that were in the show were alive. Okay. Yeah. Now did he write this? Uh I think he how well he created the history. The, I don't think he's actually writing on the show. Okay. He did write a like the world of ice and fire that has the, these events in there. And there's another there's a series called or a, a, a single book called I don't know what it was called. But it's kind of a spinoff, but it basically tells the history of the Targaryens, which is what this show is loosely based on, I would imagine. Um, it's a pretty sounds, good book. So if you, like, if you like reading about food and stuff. Things to consider, though, about being Oh, things to consider. Uh, this is not a Game of Thrones rant show. Uh, so okay. I have two things here to consider. Um, things that I think are not super important, but things you should possibly consider adding into your games. We already kind of talked about the monologues and intricate descriptions no um, we don't really talk too much about the intric- intricate descriptions but those are super fun especially in yeah. magic item form magic item form now, um, there are people that don't read the descriptions on the weapons in dark souls like you and i do yes like you really really <laughs> get into them. Love them. but tie it to magic item which is undeniably fun to get mm-hmm. and when your players see a massive f- bit of flavor text man ooh. and this is i stole this a directly from Matthew Mercer. He does this Amazing for all of idea. I was like, this is fantastic. I see that little block of text that has a yellow bar on the front and a bunch of flavoring stuff. Or like, think about Borderlands. You want to laugh your ass off and you get an item, yeah. whatever it says. Nothing makes your players more happy than like getting a magic item and then getting to like read all that it does. Positive reinforcement. If you want to start putting more writing in there, that's something to consider. Um, but it is, I think it is, because I don't think I always do a great job. I think it's definitely an art form, writing good descriptions. And it's tough because like sometimes I feel like I've crafted a really good description for an area. And then I read it out to my girlfriend. She's like, I don't know what you just told me. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. Okay, let me go back to the drawing board. Um, that's why I think you always need to read it out to yourself. Maybe there's someone else. Because you could, even if, because you can visualize it perfectly. That's why you're writing it. But then when you're telling someone, you're like, uh, I'm lost, bro. Like, if you're describing a big city or, like, a, we, had, we had a drow city that I tried to describe. I love that. Intricate. And the way I described it was because they were seeing it on top of a waterfall. So you're kind of seeing it expand in front of you. And so I like expanding, like, writing it from the perspective of how you would see it. So you start kind of at the bottom, like, oh, okay, it's getting bigger. Okay, we only so see the crust. Cavern. Yeah. That's it. We don't, we don't pick into Oh, that's one of my favorite parts. That I love the whole fun. drow encounter. I think it was one of the clearest story arcs that we went through. Yes. This is really, really fun. We had a little bit of a thing going on because I think at that time our party or our group uh, on its own was had a lot of things we wanted to do. Yes. Yes. And it was a little focus strained. On it. Yeah. You, you, you yes, ended up figuring it out. But yeah. It was an, it was and it added for some cool story moments because there's something in there that they could have done, didn't because they were rushed and then uh, Undead Dragon rose out of the ground. So. Yeah. And I just love the connection we got out of it. Like fucking bringing the drow back out of hiding and maybe oh. changing their entire existence forever. Like, and would that have happened if they hadn't gone down? And no. I don't think probably not. Uh, so the last thing I have to consider is large and intense boss fights. I want to say the more often when this happens, it's because of us, not you. True. Well, because the reason why I even wrote this down here is because he mentioned that he is video, a big point for him. And he, he said to not have full sessions of combat. He even said, though, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, he said, don't. Well, I, I guess I'm misquoting him. Well, he says, don't plan. A full session of combat, Um, which I guess then would lead into railroading. If you're forcing your players to have a full session of intense combat and it just so happens the party would have killed the boss in like two turns, 
So it's just better just let the boss yeah. die at the end. He the, mentioned the that badass. He always tries to make it fun, which yes. is something you should always do, mm-hmm. and tries to most often, more often than not, make it challenging. Yes. And if you did those two things and they are having fun and it's the level of challenge they like and right. it happens to go on for five hours and, and they're the having way, fun. The way D&D combat's paced for me, I feel like a big fight will always last that long. Because, I mean, like two turns, if there's a bunch of stuff going on, that can last like an hour. Let's talk to Koss about my explain. Oh, it is Blender extravaganzas. Oh, my God. Uh, and now, to be fair, it's definitely because both of you guys have given me an insane weapon. That's fair. Like this is crazy fair. shit. We got him on a, a very long leash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the to me, like a big, full, intense boss fight can be the cherry on top to a, a multi-year-long campaign or a, a big story arc. It can be done very well, but yeah. if done poorly, can very much hamper everyone's enjoyment and experience and drag a lackluster fight for the entire session, which is probably what he's referring to, that if you force this boring fight for longer than it probably should be and now no one's gonna be having fun no one um so consider adding them to your games if big if you think you have the time to make interesting and exciting and unique encounters arenas and options for your players to pursue not just kill the villain and move on but maybe kill the villain because they're about to do a big sacrifice Mm -hmm. or stop maybe not even killing anybody we're trying to stop this from happening then escape that can kind of be a boss fight another monkey dm thing he talked about how to play around fireball because oftentimes it can be a tough thing for dms to plan for as it builds around walls and it Mm -hmm. does all this sort of stuff and he just says paper make your party need to retrieve some sort of piece of paper in this room (laughs) they might be a bit more hesitant about using a fireball True. No, don't do it all the time. Your part doesn't care. Yeah, and he said specifically, let's not have a player versus DM situation. Yeah, but it's, I think it's uh, in how Co- interesting Cost is that? Yes, yeah. where uh, the DM that did the uh, I the see a lot thing, of monkey DM in costs actually, <laughs> where you're not fighting against your players, but your players are so good at specific things, you can target these things to not to not try to kill them, but to think out, make them think outside the box. Like I told him about your melee damage, lava shit, recoil damage when I hit people, <laughs> and he threw that in the fucking one of the final boss, my final, my character's final boss, and I was he like, was a, he did so I almost damage. killed myself in one hit, and I was like, I have to do this. It I didn't feel too bad, because like, A, I gave it to the idea, and yeah. like, this is a thing that enemies will have. If you're sacrificing things, making the players think outside the box, it can be great. Um, uh, but there's a reason why D&D shows do these because these big moments are impactful not only as a viewer, but as a player as well. Like if the big boss is who they thought was their parents for the longest time and you're trying to stop them from doing stuff and you're so the first time you're encountering them and fighting them or you fought them before, it's just it can be a very cathartic moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think with my experience, I'm going to get if it's written well, I won't. But I will start getting a little tired of parent issues. A lot of parent issues. Everybody's it's got just parent everybody. Issues. That's a thing. Everybody's got most. Most people have parents or parental figures or guardian, uh, so it's an easy thing to draw back on. And most yep. of the characters in our campaign that we've been doing for this long <laughs> are there are these people's first fucking characters. So it's self inserty, like hardcore, big time. I didn't even realize how similar my shit with. Um, my twins and his game is to the buyers in oh, Stranger Things. Yeah, well, buyers. And you were watching that while we were fucking doing it. Yeah. Like, how much were you like? It's just like season one and two, really. But 
Yeah, because after the, 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 doesn't really do it too much. Yeah, it's very different. Um, I do have a lot of. I don't think it's. Um, I I enjoy. We'll do Stranger Things. Pro- I'm, yes. I'm envisioning. Once you finish the. I'm envisioning in less than two months because I'm watching it with somebody, so I can't watch it every every night. No binging. Um, no binging. I don't. I I tend to like watching shows weekly, but it is fun. Yeah. Um. I don't think it's it's by far not a perfect show. No, at it's all. definitely not a perfect show. And you're, I don't know what season you're on now, but. I am on like episode seven, eight, or nine of three. I'm near the end. Like okay. So you're all getting, the stuff under. You're getting through happened. the worst stuff. Yes. I think two is the weakest. Um, and then three, I like most of it, but don't like some of it. And then four, I thought was a massive. Well, I adored one. Yeah, I, I liked the beginning of four, two. I think are nearly. The beginning perfect. of two, but like the first two episodes. Yes. All the rest of two was eh. Except for like maybe just just the end. Yeah, the, the very last episode is very cool and exciting. <laughs> three, I loved the beginning. I haven't liked I like the vibes of three. That's why I like yeah. That's why I like three. Um, I like the small character stuff and the growth for and especially because and maybe we're turning into the Stranger Things show, it's but fine. we're ending. But especially because the guys that are writing it every season, they're specifically not really parroting or making fun of, but like paying homage to movies that came out in the eighties. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So like the third season is like big summer blockbusters and stuff. Um, fourth season's Nightmare on Elm Street kind of stuff. Um, first season, I would say, is like kind of Stephen King-esque. I don't know what I would say. It's, it's, uh, I just don't like the second season, so I don't have anything to compare it to, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there is something, I guarantee you, but... Yeah. So I right now, I've enjoyed less than I have been meh or disliked about the show, but overall... I still absolutely love it. Yeah. Because I watch anime. Almost so, so much <laughs> of that shit is terrible. That's why we're going to have an episode time. I think it's the quintessential D&D media show that I've ever, that, ex- that exists right now. Fucking. And it, of course, D&D is tied. I think even if D&D wasn't connected to it, I could still see the D&D connection. My favorite moment, and this isn't, this is a line that is said in season three, but it's not a, really a spoiler. It's not going to ruin it for you because this is something that you, you, I know when you, when you turned off that viewer. Xbox for the last time in your party that you were talking with, see you guys next time. Oh. And you never saw each other again. Whenever <laughs> they had the big explosions, like, did you think we were going to play? Did you think we were going to have girlfriends at some point? You think we were going to play D and D in your basement forever? And Will just looks yeah. dead at him and goes, yeah, I guess I did. I don't even know if he said, I guess I think, I think he's just said I did. <laughs> and I was like, Will, like I just got goosebumps. Oh, I fucking love Will so much. <laughs> Will, Will is great. I mean, to be fair, the kid lost part of his childhood, and then they're they're moving on. He's like, dude, I want to still just play D and D all day. Yeah, and then he kind of shifts and, and then they go D&D back to no, no spoilers, but then they start playing D and D again the next season, and he's not playing D and D with them. So it's just so sad, man. It's well, he so, made his decision. I was on so my heart sad. broke. So he's my favorite. It'll make sense when you watch I do think it, he's the best actor, at least when he was a kid. 100%. He's, he's the best actor. In and the show. I feel like they're underutilizing him. So I'm hoping the last season will utilize him more. Okay. This is the last thing I was like, we're just talking into. But uh, he's picked and isn't seen at all in the first season. And the first actor that shows up is him. The title is him of that show. And just the little things he does in that first scene before things shit, shit hits the fan and he leaves well if he did if he acted was not a good actor the show not work no because there's so many things that happen just like for example i'm not spoiling but in the second season that are just interrogations him and stuff yeah that he, if he's not acting with his full heart then it will just the ability to shout and yell and the yeah. facial expressions that he yeah. does I, mean, oh. I guess one of the things i really love about the show is that the kid actors are you don't often yeah. see kid actors that crush it 
It's even like side characters. Like, um, I can't remember anybody else's names really. Um, gosh, the little girl, they have to go through the, the vent with them. Uh, too. uh Lucas's. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't remember. Erica, is it? I don't remember, but she, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the other kids. Well, she's barely in season two and she's, hilarious and the thing that this show does is they buff out the the yeah it is they buff out the families in the next seasons and make sure that they have they're more people except for the parents which i like because the kids yeah. would, not, would not hang out with well, the parents it's kind of like um uh peanuts yeah yeah <laughs> kind of peanuts-esque. um but i do love the parents and they they portray healthy parents in some ways and i think it's important because there's a lot of kids that are watching this show okay i have to stop now because we're gonna just <laughs> There's a lot of things that this does to make sure that people who watch this as kids will have somewhat good examples of what good parenting and healthy relationships and being open and communicating is like. Part, yeah. Except Hop in season three. He's going through a lot. Poor guy. Poor guy. Going through it. He's being bitter. Okay. This is going to be a long time stamp. By the way, you can timestamp in Buzzsprout. Really? Yep. They have a little section for it. So if you have- Does it do you anything do, for- I don't know. I think Spotify has it, so we should check it out if you feel like it. Yeah. Just popping in the same ones as long as it's not too much effort. Um, or you could do it, and at some point I could copy whatever you have. Well, if I do it already for YouTube, and just copy and paste. Yeah. Ooh, Stranger Things got the music. Oh, my God. The music. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening. This was a fun episode to talk about. This is a core of D&D &D that is really important to have an open discussion with everybody or figure out as you go. Cause sometimes you just want to play D and D and you don't have that sessions here because these are the only people who can play with you. Like I said before, so hopefully we talk about some stuff that will help you figure that out, introduce ways that will make you have fun as a DM, have a little bit of story in there as well as make your players who just want to hit stuff, have fun as well, but then start caring and then you can tear their yeah. hearts apart. Well, I, mean, I saw that with one of our players. And we, uh -huh. we don't play with them anymore, but from one of your friends you brought into our first campaign I mean, he didn't really care. He was, yeah, he was just there. No. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just there to have fun and just roll good dice. Now, by the way. And then slowly started like getting into the character and started role playing. And that, that was, that, to me, that was one of my early experience with the DM. That was one of my favorite things to watch. And really, this guy really didn't care about the story for a while. Really get into it. You know, it's because of theater and D&D &D that I get compliments at work whenever we have meetings for how I get people engaged. Because uh, you didn't see it, you like pay yeah. attention. Well, yeah. it's it's one thing to say. I was talking to my manager about this. Uh, she messaged me after we had a meeting. She was just like, "I really appreciate your um, engagement in the meeting." I was like, "I was oh just speaking, God. just playing D and D." But there's one thing to be the face of the party and always talk, and then your party members get comfortable and rely on you to do that. Yeah. Versus you doing it and taking it back yes. purposefully sometimes, or to let them shine. Yes. Um, finding that one thing that your player is interested in. And tossing them a little piece of bait, just mm -hmm. a little bit, and them seeing that it's okay for you, for me to talk, and then me turning towards, in this case, the meeting. I said something about a project they were interested in, and they lit up, and I kept tossing it back over them, and they got comfortable and spoke. And while they were speaking, I pivoted and asked them a different question relevant to the meeting itself, and got them engaged. You can do that with D and D. I mean, the, if you think about it, the world is D and D. If you play D and D, you will think the world is D and D. It's yeah, very yeah. not. You can always take things that happen in the real real world and pull them into your games. You can always do it. Speaking of the real world, we do have social yeah, media, which yeah, portrays yeah. our existence in the real world. Sometimes that is at Dungeon Crawl Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You might get a sweet little morsel of us going to a pub or a bar, or something coming out. I've been entertaining thoughts of doing clips again because there are some resources that have come out that make it a bit easier. So we'll see if I want Hell to yeah. do that. Studying social media and seeing how I can't increase my effort 
their words. We have an email, thedungeoncrawlpod at gmail.com if there's anything else you want to do. If you're a sponsor or somebody who got notified we had your ad on our podcast, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know. But those either. have been fun. Um, we haven't heard anybody hating on the ads yet. No. So if you, you if guys you don't do, talk to us anyway, so us. might as well just put like 10 oh, of them damn. in there. No? Uh, we have a Discord, which we've mentioned a few times. We don't have any games going on at the moment. I don't believe so. In no. hibernation mode, but usually I think it's around but this it's, time of yeah, year. summertime. Summertime, whenever winter rolls around. I don't know. But jump in there, get to know us. Uh, there's some exciting things coming on on the front of Discord because I do work there, and you guys are going to love it. Get in there for when that happens. I can't talk about it. Get in there. Um, but I think the Discord is going to be the future of the heart of everything the for crawl. the dungeon crawl in the future and a lot of creators in the future. So keep an eye out for that. We also have a Patreon. If you feel like donating do. to us, if you have the financial means, it'd be super awesome. I've recently been buying some things for the podcast because uh, Discord has been amazing. These microphones. Look at these mics, huh? Yeah. I know it's different. They are technically lower quality than the ones that we've had before, but the consistency and ease of use is so much better. Yeah, it's negligible difference. And it sounds great, and they work yeah. really well with the mixer over there and the stuff that we've already invested in. Yes, check out the link tree. It's really cool. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts while you're there in the link tree. While you're there. Uh, and live play will be happening sometime soon. It, I know we I mean, I know we keep saying we keep, we keep saying that. I'm not going to say it will, but there is a chance Tuesday. There is a chance this Tuesday? As long as Kenneth doesn't. I'm floof out. We got to remind him because his man's busy. So he whenever he's free, he's like, because oh. I mean, te- technically it could. This is true. This I just need true. to get the character stuff fi- finished. Figured out. True. It is technically finished. I just want to set stuff and stuff. it out, yeah. Monkey DMs. If not, then we do it in August, I would imagine. Monkey DMs warlock that he made is real interesting. So either look <laughs> forward to it pretty soon or in August. Yeah. I'll be flying around a lot in August. We'll see. I think we'll it's mostly it on the weekends. I don't know. This is fun. Take care. He's been Ryan. He's been Braxton. That's me. This is the Dungeon Crawling. for calling with us. I don't think I've said that in a little bit. And next week, it's going to be what something we, What do we good. got? Do we have anything going on next week? I got week? railroad, and we can talk about railroading. I think that's a, probably a good idea. Um, but we, we think of other options. Hey, this is, a, this is a podcast meeting. Get out of here. <laughs> hey, guys. Don't listen to it. Spoilers. Get out of here.